right, back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with John and the Peter one. We're going to talk to Miles Simmons coming up in a second. Uh, before we get to Miles, had a very cool dad moment I want to share with you guys, just briefly. So in between the break, my wife sent me the video, and she asked me ahead of time. She's like, can I do this now? Is it fine? I'm like, yeah, it's okay. We got the clearance from the pediatrician. And so it was video of my... Baby girl who's four and a half months old now at this point, four and a half, eating her first bit of food. And what was great is that you could see like the reaction of like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing I've ever tasted. Like tasted, I mean, it's got to be like rice oatmeal or whatever they call it. It's, it's, it's miserable. It's got to be, there's no way it actually tastes good. No way it's appetizing, but it's just something that isn't formula for four and a half months. And this baby of mine gets so excited to have something that is real food. It's just, it's wonderful. I absolutely, I love every second of it. I think it's so cool to have something like that happen. I don't know why. I mean, these are the dad moments that they tell you are going to happen and they happen sporadically and they really do. Like the first time she actually smiled, I'm like, this is the greatest moment ever. This is, this is what I've been waiting for. And then you get little moments like this where it's like, yeah, the kid understanding that food is food and it's awesome. It's just a great thing in life. So that's a lot of fun. That's like, it's a good moment for me. I don't know, uh, if there's that many moments. I mean, there's going to be a million more moments like this, but that there's that many moments where you get to be like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I think about it. 18 years from now, Charlotte, my daughter, is going to be able to go back and watch video of the very first time she ever had actual food and something that wasn't formula. You know how mind-blowing that is to me? I don't know what I would do with it. I, I, I don't think it'd even be healthy for me if I knew I had that much audio, that much video, that much everything from so many years ago that I could just go back and take in. Uh, I don't know. That, that might, that might trip me up a little bit if I'm being honest about it. Oh, give it, just give it some time, JP. I'm getting that now where my son is 11. Oh, it's crazy to see him at eight months. I mean, it's got to just blow your mind, but I'm, I'm talking more about the person itself, right? Like, like my baby girl, when she turns 18 is going to look back and be like, Wow, I really got excited for that rice oatmeal that day, didn't I? Like that was that was a big day for me when I was four and a half months old. All right, let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Local kid done good. Miles Simmons joining us here at ninety two three the fan, of course, the profootballtalk.com. Miles, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, speaking of food, uh I saw you tweeting out be nice to Pepsi, by the way, if we go down this road, because we like Pepsi, we like Coke, we like everyone involved here, okay? But I saw we you do, tweeting yeah. I saw you tweeting out about the condiment wars and the uh the Pepsi kolach up that's coming. And I talked a little bit about this yesterday. On the surface, I didn't know if it was a great idea. But here's where I give them a bunch of credit. First off, I love a Pepsi with a hot dog. I think that like the the that's Americana. That's great. But we don't have enough people trying to invent awesome foods. I can't stand in the way when someone goes for it. Okay, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying there, but, A, ketchup doesn't belong on a hot dog, so that's <laughs> problem number one there. And, you know, I mean, look, as you said, I am a local kid, so the only thing that belongs on a hot dog is stadium mustard, and then maybe you put on some sauerkraut, you know, maybe a little good uh, onion, some grilled onion potentially, perhaps relish sometimes. I mean, but you're not putting ketchup on a hot dog. So I don't care if it's Pepsi ketchup, if it's Coke ketchup or Dr. Pepper ketchup. It still doesn't belong on a hot dog. Are you are you anti-grilled onions on a hot dog? I'm a, I'm a big grilled onion guy on a hot dog. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm not anti-grilled onion on anything, but I prefer raw onion to grilled onion because I like the crunch. 
I like the different texture, and I like the the taste of that raw onion that comes along with the hot dog. And you mix that with the stadium mustard. I just that's perfect to me. Yeah, onions don't get they. I, I need to get on the PR team for onions. Big Onion needs to hire me. I, I'm pro everything onions uh, is is putting out there right now, and and nobody else loves it the way I love it. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Maybe it's because I'm single and childless and like I don't have to worry about kissing anybody. So it's like, I like, I like onion. I like garlic. Like give me all the stuff that, you know, makes your breath terrible. Before we get to the Browns, I saw you also tweeting out about the Guardians last night. First place. Uh, doesn't feel great to you though. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's good to be in first place. All you want to do is get into the tournament, but like, let's get another dub tonight. You know, I'm not sure who's on the hill. Isn't Logan Allen on the hill tonight? Uh, yeah. We're playing the Royals, yeah? And so, like, we got to win this series. You know, you can't go and play the Royals, who, if not for the A's, would be talked about more as, like, the absolute worst team in baseball. I mean, that's their only saving grace right now. So let's go. Let's go win the series. And, you know, then you get to mess around tomorrow and get a sweep. Like, let's go. Let's get a winning record and feel good about being in first place. Exactly right. And, and the, man, the Royals really are so bad. It's just so easy. All right, let's get to uh, your wheelhouse. Uh, Miles Simmons, ProFootballTalk.com, joining us here. I actually played a clip from Mike Forio yesterday, and I actually I love oh, what Forio had to say, though. I'm a big Forio guy. I, I, I think I've expressed this to you before. I, I bang in here for the latest news and rumors often. And so I thought Forio made a great point, though. Forio, he went down the rabbit hole in the idea that if Deshaun Watson's public comments – match up his private comments, then we could have an impasse in Berea. And, like, we don't know. We don't know if his public comments match up his private comments. But if they do, and then they don't end up end up landing DeAndre Hopkins, it does make you wonder why Andrew Barry didn't go ahead and say, okay, you get to call the shots here, and at what point that happened between the two of them where Deshaun Watson basically got put in his place. Well, that is interesting, too, right? I mean, as an organization, they made a decision to not only trade for Deshaun Watson, but give him the most guaranteed money in a contract in NFL history. And when you do something like that, I mean, that inherently gives that player some sort of cachet, right, to say what he wants. And so I think from a contract standpoint, from a football standpoint, from a pure public perception standpoint, it would make a lot of sense for the Browns to at least signal that they are somewhat interested in DeAndre Hopkins. But then again, I mean, I, I like to say this, real G's move in silence. So maybe they really are interested in DeAndre Hopkins. We don't know it, but it is a little bit weird to me that, I mean, you get the report from Albert Breer uh, Monday, and it was kind of not necessarily a report, but, you know, it's one of those, well, things that he mentioned that, will then get translated into a report because he has sources and he knows what he's talking about. But he says that basically the Browns are so pleased with Elijah Moore kind of as their third guy or maybe even their second guy, but the way he plays the slot, right? And then they've also got Peoples-Jones, and they were really pleased, obviously, with Amari Cooper, so they like their receiving core the way it is. But to that, I say, you know, you got a person out there in DeAndre Hopkins who can take pressure off of all of those guys and he already has built-in chemistry with your quarterback. I, I think it behooves the Browns to at least kick the tires on DeAndre Hopkins and see if there is a fit there. Uh, real G's moving uh, in silence like the G in lasagna. That is, I'm going to credit uh, Little Wayne, then I'm going to credit Baker Mayfield, <laughs> and then I'm going to credit you. I, that's that's the order that goes. If we're doing the uh, the Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, you miss 100% yeah. of the shots. You, yeah, they were, I'm going to credit you third on that list, okay? I'll take it. I'll take it. Sounds good to me. Uh, so if you had to guess right now, Hopkins, is, is, is the Patriots the leading contender? 
are the should the Browns be number one? Where Titans in there? Where, give me a give me an, an order as if I was making it to gamble on it later. Yeah, well, I think we have to go with the two teams where we know he's visited first, right? So that would be the New England Patriots and then the Tennessee Titans. If I'm DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, I haven't signed with one of those teams because I am waiting for somebody else to kind of come along and maybe sweep me off my feet, right? You know, it's like the most popular girl in school, when she's looking for a prom date, she's not going to just accept the first thing that comes along if it's not the quarterback and the captain of the football team. So, like, this is kind of where it is. And not that DeAndre Hopkins is, you know, the best receiver in football anymore. And I think that there are, that's obviously Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Hopkins has gotten along there in years. And when you're talking about an offensive skill position player, like, yeah, you know, when you get to the other side of 30, it becomes a thing. But I just feel like if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, right, and I see that the Patriots have something for me and the Titans have something for me, well, I guess I'm going to the Patriots because while you'd be the clear number one in Tennessee, I mean, you're dealing with a situation where Ryan Tannehill may or may not be the quarterback through the entire season. You really don't know what you're going to have in Will Levis. And, ah, like, does that really entice you? I don't know. I mean, at least if you go to New England, yeah, it's Mac Jones, and you'd also be the number one guy there. But you know that that team's going to be competitive because of the coaching staff that it has. And Bill O'Brien, Colin plays. You know, you got the familiarity there. There's not familiarity with Tennessee, but it's, there's just a lot of things that I think make a little bit more sense for him in New England than it would in Tennessee. Now, if other teams get involved, right? Like, say, the Bills want to start getting involved. The Kansas City Chiefs want to get involved because those are the two teams who are trying to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. But they didn't really want to, uh, to inherit all of that contract. And so that's part of it why we're, we don't know exactly what DeAndre Hopkins' contract demands are. But if those two teams start getting involved, then it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's a little bit more enticing. Even if I don't make as much money, I will probably have a good chance at winning a ring and solidifying my legacy or whatnot in the NFL. And I think you know, if you have those teams and the Browns come in, I think that they would all probably be on the same level, A, because the Browns can probably offer a little bit more money than those other two in the Bills and Kansas City, and B, because you have the connection there already with the uh, Sean Watson. Yeah, and I don't think Devontae Parker and that deal, that does nothing as far as this discussion is concerned, right? Well, I think if, if anything, it maybe makes the Patriots able to offer him a little bit more money because it lower that cap number uh, for Devontae Parker. But it wasn't a prohibitive cap number in the first place. So, I mean, maybe that allows the Patriots to sweeten the pot just a little bit more. But I, I would agree with you that it doesn't necessarily do too much when it comes to this discussion. Three years, $33 million, $14 million in guaranteed money. If I was trying to give Donovan Peoples-Jones a deal after this season, is that what this would look like, something like that? Yes, probably, depending on what this year looks like for him, you know? I mean, if if he comes in and he breaks out and he's got a 1,000 yards and he's getting a 1,000 yards alongside Amari Cooper, then those, they've got to pump those numbers up, you know? But I think at this point, yeah, that, that's probably in line with what it should be based on what he's done so far. Yeah, I, mean, I just look at Devontae Parker. Over the past three years, he hasn't had a single 800-yard season. He hasn't had yeah. a, anything more than four touchdowns in a year. Like I, yeah. I just, I look at the, the the similarities between the two and what the value is. I think you can even argue Donovan Peoples-Jones has higher value at this point. So if if Parker's getting 11 million as the base, Browns fans better be ready to pay up. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is the thing about contracts, right? I mean, they, the only thing they do usually is go up. You know, the only position where it's not is running backs. And mm-hmm. so that's that's going to probably turn into an issue next year for Nick Chubb when he goes into the last year of his deal. And, you know, I think already he doesn't have much, if any, guaranteed money left on his contract. And I don't have that in front of me, but I remember reading that recently. So it, it, that's something that, yeah, you got to think about later. But I think, you know, when you're talking about wide receiver production and what you could possibly get out of it, the other thing to think about when comparing Parker and Peoples-Jones is Peoples-Jones is younger, so there is, I yeah. think, a higher ceiling there, right? Where, yeah, you haven't necessarily seen exactly the production that you would like in sort of mid-tier receiver, like, you know, upper mid-tier where you can make it to 1,000 yards, and that means you're going to be paying more. Um, so I, I think that should happen, right? If you are uh, the Browns and you have Deshaun Watson with a full off season and he's getting chemistry with these guys and he's comfortable in the offense, then – in theory, you should have two guys with at least a thousand yards on this team, provided everybody stays healthy. And then another guy, whether it's um, uh, your tight end, the chief, whose name is Najoku. <laughs> Najoku, yeah. Jesus, man, there's a lot of names <laughs> going around in my head. Well, it's been a while since we've even seen football at this point, so I get you. I know. I had his nickname, you know, like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you were there. You were there. I was. So whether it's Nijoku or uh, whether it's Schwartz or whether it's Elijah Moore, somebody else has to have 700-ish yards in that range, and that means you have a successful offense. And what was I thinking early? Miles Simmons, uh, ProFootballTalk.com, joining us. There was there was a player I was trying to think of earlier, and it was like uh, sometimes I do like these tests against my brain to think like how quick it can be. And I yeah. it was like a starting quarterback for, and I, I just I did not have it. It was just did not come to me, and it, it was not going to come to me. And then like I got it five seconds later, and the disappointment on my face was it was a little too much for me to handle. Uh, but Miles, you brought yeah. up Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. At this point, you mentioned the lack of guaranteed money and everything moving forward. I was, I don't know what they're going to end up doing with Nick Chubb, and we know the running back position has definitely taken a hit, but if you're Nick Chubb, shouldn't you be asking for an extension right now? If you, like, if you had long-term plans to be with the Browns, wouldn't right now be the time that you're going to the Browns and saying, hey, uh, I, sign me up for two more years. Give me that extension now and let's ink this thing up. Yes, but no. I mean, because there's no leverage. I mean, what the only leverage you have, I guess, is your skill. You can say, well, I'm not going to play. But then it's like, okay, well, you're also under contract for not just this year, but also next year. And I think if you look around the league and you see, okay, we, we've got just a couple more weeks until the franchise tag deadline. I don't really think that Saquon Barkley or um, Josh Jacobs are going to get the long-term deal that they're seeking from the Giants and the Raiders. I mean, why would the Raiders or the Giants do that based on what the running back market is, where you've still got guys on the market? I mean, Dalvin Cook, a really, really good running back, Mm -hmm. still on the market, even though he just got released. I mean, a couple years ago, that's a guy that would have been sucked up like that. I mean, just based on what we know that he can bring to the table. There are good players still on the market here. I mean, Kareem Hunt still on the market. Zeke Elliott still on the market. Um, you look at um, Austin Eckler with the Chargers. He, they let him seek a trade, and nobody wanted to trade for him because they would have had to alter his contract and give him more money. So he ends up re-upping with the Chargers, basically. It's the last year of his deal. He doesn't get any more guaranteed money. The only thing they do is give him, I think, $1.75 million more available in incentives, which doesn't even take him to the $10 million mark 
that he would get as a franchise player if he were to be franchised. So if you look at all of the landscape with the running back, if I'm a good agent, I'm probably telling my client, like, look, I know that we want more guaranteed money here, and maybe we can get that made just a little bit more guaranteed. But, I mean, the Browns aren't going to cut Nick Chubb. He's not really in danger of being cut. So, at the same time, it's kind of like, well, what are we really fighting for here when there's still two years left on your deal? That, that to me, is where it's like, I don't know that that's a fight that is really worth fighting at this point. Yeah, I think they also know he's too much of a leader and a good teammate. He's never going to do a hold out or hold in, whatever they call it these days. It's just not going to happen yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's not that's not who he is. It's just not. Anyway, I'm sure you, we, we've all seen the clip of Nick Chubb, you know, with the, however many uh, dumbbells, yeah. barbells. The weights weight, on the side. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, exactly. And the meme going around right now is like, oh, look, it's Nick Chubb carrying all of Cleveland's hopes and dreams on his back. Like, <laughs> he accepts that responsibility, and he's going to continue doing it. I, I don't really have much doubt about that. Miles, fantastic stuff. Appreciate you giving us a few minutes, and uh, we'll catch up with you later. Thank you so much, Miles. Yeah. Absolutely, anytime. Be good, guys. Uh, great stuff right there with Miles Simmons, ProFootballTalk.com. We'll come on back. I want to hear from you guys. 216-474-0092. I just wonder if people are in on the Hopkins discussion right now because it actually feels like we have a chance. Nothing's truly changed in about a month, but now all of a sudden it's in vogue to be in on that conversation? We'll do it next. 216-474-0092. Back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with John and the Peter. And we're going to do the latest on DeAndre Hopkins, what Albert Breer had to say coming up in a moment. Great stuff right there with Miles Simmons. Not only did he have good takes on hot dogs, he also had good takes on the Browns. Robert on Twitter. Twitter Reactions brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. says horseradish over dogs and chili. And now you got me having those for dinner. I've never done horseradish over chili on a hot dog, but I can, I can get down with that. I like horseradish a lot more than I did when I was a child for some reason. There's something about horseradish. There was a time in my life where I thought it was just a little repulsive, and now at this point I'm like, bring it on. Maybe I just, maybe you just want to feel something. I don't know. You tell me what that is. Not entirely sure. Horseradish has that kick, though. For some reason, that kick as a child was just like, it really felt like a real kick. Now, as an adult, you're like, it's just, it's just, it's nice. It's nice. I love grilled onions, though, on a hot dog. Onions need better PR. They need better uh, better representation because they are just, every now and then, they just get dragged in the hot dog talking community streets as if there was such a thing. And they just need to be better represented out there. They are, legitimately, it should go ketchup, mustard, relish, onion is the fourth. If we're doing like a big four power rankings of hot dog condiments, onions, and I'd say grilled onions over regular raw onions, they need to be on there. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But what was great about Miles outside of the hot dog takes was the idea that when I listened to the morning show talk about Nick Chubb and, them, and, and the idea that he should be going for an extension, I had not yet considered the idea that Nick Chubb truly does have no leverage in this entire debate. Now, like, Lima kept bringing it up, and we have it in the fan focus. Stay tuned 35 minutes from now. We'll have it for you guys. But Lima brought up the idea that this is when you'd be negotiating. This is when you would be having these conversations about when to get paid and when to keep you a Cleveland Brown. I think everyone listening understood that is not the right move for the Browns at this point. 
but it's definitely the right move for Nick Chubb. And that's where the discrepancy comes in. If you're Nick Chubb, you got to be like, I, I've been a loyal soldier to you guys. I've never once complained. I saw the Matthew Berry report suggesting that I'm getting 10 to 15 carries, and that's it. 10 to 15? While you're taking away my carries, you're taking away my production, I'm being a good soldier the entire time, and I'm going to be a good soldier when Deshaun Watson wants to throw the ball 40 times in a game. Pay me the money. I'll be your guy that you get to dictate how my stats and numbers go by limiting the amount of touches I get, but then you're going to take care of me until I can no longer play this sport. Honestly, I don't think it's a bad deal. I don't, I really don't. I don't think it's a uh, Nick Chubb side of things. I think that would work. And I think from the Brown side of things, you extend them out two more years. And I know we, you guys are like, Jonathan, you really flip-flopped on this one. You went from having conversations about how the Browns can't afford Nick Chubb to now you're telling me they need to extend them out for two more years. You'd make it cost-friendly for sure. You'd have to. But if you can make a deal where Nick Chubb, I don't know, what is that, $8 million a year? for? You give him two more years on the back end of what he currently has. You make it $7, 8000000 million per year. You're rolling the dice on the idea that Nick Chubb is a unicorn. But Nick Chubb is, in my estimation, a unicorn. couple things that play to his advantage. He's always had a great offensive line. That's not going anywhere. As long as Bill Callahan is breathing on planet Earth, that's not going anywhere. And he hasn't, because of the Kareem Hunt dynamic, hasn't been abused as far as his legs like most running backs at this point in his career. Like Derrick Henry was averaging 27 touches a game at the same year that Nick Chubb was averaging 16 touches a game, okay? He just hasn't been used at the same rate. I think it kind of makes sense for both parties. I know it would be a move that the fan base would love. But the part Miles brings up is, Why? If you're the Browns, why? Why would you give him that that benefit? Why would you do that? Why would you, and Nick Chubb's got no legs to stand on in this discussion. Now, if you're going to go and you know struck at the and you know, pull at the uh, the heartstrings a little bit, you might say, well, maybe it's just a maybe it's a, a deal that you make to show that you're operating in good faith for a guy that has been on the roster and has been awesome for this team and this franchise, and it is showing other players in the future. That if they do good, if you do good, they'll do good by you. I think there's something to that in the NFL. There's definitely something, not only in the NFL, just in workplaces. We all have jobs. We all see how our company treats other people one way or another. You think they treat them good? You're more likely to stay around. You're like, okay, good. I know that in the end I'm going to be rewarded for my hard work. You think they treat them like doo-doo? Well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be like, I don't think I want want to work for that company anymore. That's just how this operates. So with Nick Chubb, I think the leverage side of things is fascinating. I think you have to come from the angle that Nick Chubb has zero leverage attached to himself. Zero. None. Being one of the best running backs in the game gives you zero leverage at this point. I know it's astonishing to say out loud, but it's just true. The Browns would have to be operating in good faith. And the Browns would have to do something to extend them out. Now, if we're gonna, can we get truthful on this one? We're all friends here. Can we, can we just be honest about it? I think if everything goes sideways this next season and Deshaun Watson isn't great, then I think it's the type of move that they would make in order to keep the good faith and in order to keep the fan base interested and in order to seem like, hey, Deshaun Watson was an abysmal failure. We're going to go ahead and make sure you don't become Steelers fans. You don't become Bengals fans. That would be doomsday scenario. That would lock that up for Nick Chubb. Other side of that, though, is what happens if, Deshaun Watson is great. 
and everything does go the way we want it to, at the end of this year, that's where we're going to have some interesting conversations. Do you allocate out some of that money to Nick Chubb, and do you put that towards Nick Chubb as an offer of good faith and an offer of we're doing right by you? That's tougher. When you are when you really feel like you're going for the Super Bowl and you really feel like you're an 11, 12, 13-win team, it's really tough to tell a legend of the organization, yeah, you know, we're going to we're going to extend you out because uh we want to make sure that 30 years from now you hang around and do some of the Browns videos and and you make sure that we have a good relationship and you shake hands and kiss babies and you basically do the Scotty Pippen roll with the Bulls where they just pay you $100,000 a year to walk around and shake hands and be a part of the team. Like I mean it's very tough. It's a very tough thing that a current regime would have to settle with. But that's their problem. And not ours. Right now our focus is on DeAndre Hopkins. And I think it's fascinating how the conversation has shifted. This is what I want your com- your input on at 216-474-0092. Are people changing their opinion on Hopkins because they think it has a chance to come true now? I have been steadfast from day one on this topic. I want Hopkins here, and I've always wanted Hopkins here as long as he's still good. As long as when Hopkins and Watson have those discussions and those talks with each other, Hopkins tells Watson he still has it, then go out there and get the guy. I've told you my concerns in recent days. I've told you this. If you're just joining the program or maybe you missed a couple segments, that's okay. I can refresh you. So no skin off my back. There is the idea out there that Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins Really good buddies, and because they're good buddies, Hopkins coming off a season where he was suspended for PEDs, 30 years old, maybe he knows he doesn't have it. Maybe he knows he is cooked like a rotisserie chicken, and he doesn't have it. And because they're such good buddies, he went and told Deshaun Watson, hey, publicly, speak up for me. Privately, don't come close to signing me. I can't help you out. There's that thought out there. It, it exists out in this world. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't think we'll ever find out if it's true or not. But I'm focused on the idea that it feels like in the previous 24, 48 hours, because whether it's Albert Breer, and we'll get to what Albert had to say on this in just a second, but whether it's Albert Breer, whether it is Miles Simmons who we just had on, whether it was Mike Florio, it feels like the ranking is pretty clear. It is the Patriots, it is the Titans, and it's the Browns. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not shaking in my boots that I don't wear anymore because I stopped wearing them when I left Houston seven years ago. But I'm not shaking in my boots when it comes to what the Patriots can offer, what the Titans can offer, and what we can offer. I've been telling you guys this entire time, the more time that passes, and I stole this from Zach Jackson because Zach Jackson and I went out and did the Glow Ball event. He hung out with Dustin and I for 40 minutes before we went and played a, a nice little round of golf together. And we didn't talk any football on the course, by the way. I need to make that abundantly clear. We did not discuss any football on the course. We discussed everything but football on the course. It's a fantastic time, but we talked football for 40 minutes prior to that. And in the 40 minutes prior to that, Zach said, if you're the Browns, if you're, if you're rooting for DeAndre Hopkins, you need more time to pass. That was the key. You need more time to pass because the more time that passes means that DeAndre Hopkins value has gone down and the market isn't there for him the way that at three weeks ago we thought it was. Well, I'm watching and I'm listening to a lot of people, and right now it really does feel like a lot of people think that DeAndre Hopkins of the Browns is not only on the table, but it, it has a chance of coming true. So at 216 474 
Are you changing your opinion on wanting Hopkins because ultimately you want to be right about this? And you're understanding that DeAndre Hopkins of the Browns could be a reality. We'll continue on with this. We got off the beaten path coming your way at 940 Fan Focus at 9. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan. Back at it here on the fan. I was enthralled. I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I've never heard a beat like this. You're welcome. What is this? This is a uh, Pharrell produced beat, the Eclipse Funeral. I'll send it to you. Yeah, it just it cut in and out in such an interesting way. You to the point, it? no, to the point where I was like, if I start talking now, they're only going to be they're going to be hearing in the background what's going on. I can't possibly start talking now. And so I just let it sit. I know I like to let the beat drop. I like to do it that way and everything. And then you go into it. And at that point, I was just, I was like, and then I thought, my, I was like, is my headphones, are they messed up? Like it's going in and out so much. I'm like, wait a second. Something's wrong with the Sony's over here. I gotta, I gotta figure out what's going on. Wow. Just incredible. Here's okay. A, here's a tidbit about Pharrell beats. They well, all start off with a repeating four count at the beginning. Okay. Only thing I know about, uh, about that man. Is that uh, he wears the hats? He's the funny hat guy. That was so long ago. He doesn't wear funny hats anymore. You mean he doesn't wear them anymore? Not, not. That was a moment. The one where you can't tell whether or not he's like a cowboy trying to steal people's uh, liquor or something. And I, I don't know what he was doing there. I thought he was trying to become the new Arby's logo. That oh, good call there. That's that's got to be the joke that the people on the internet make a lot, right? That's gotta that's gotta be the one. Ladies and gentlemen, tip your wait staff. Yeah, he's here all night. He really is. He's here till midnight. He's here, he's here all night. We're not going anywhere. We're hanging out with you guys till midnight. There's no there's no other way around that one. All right, Albert Breer was on earlier today. And, uh, by the way, coming up at about 920, Sarah Walsh, good morning football. Uh, she came at me. I'll explain what I mean then. 920, 9 o'clock, we got the fan focus. Right now we're talking about DeAndre Hopkins. And, and I, I think the conversation, there's a lot of layers to this, but what I thought was fascinating was how it felt like, in the past 24, 48 hours, a bunch of people seem to start to get on board with DeAndre Hopkins. And the only thing I would combat that with is nothing has changed. In the month we've been talking about Hopkins, nothing has changed, except for the part that a lot of people were reminding us about when the whole thing got underway, the idea that the longer this went on, the better it was for the Browns. And I do believe that to be true. With each passing day, it feels like the Browns have a better and better chance. When you go visit Tennessee and there's no deal done, and you go visit New England and there's no deal done, you can make an argument that he doesn't want to be signed until training camp because he doesn't want to really do much work until training camp, and I get that and understand that. I wouldn't if I were him either. But when he leaves those facilities without a contract, that means they didn't give him some sort of godfather-type deal. They didn't give him something like OBJ got in Baltimore, where I remember Carrington Harrison on CBS Sports Radio. I remember listening to Carrington, and he goes, he was so emphatic about it. And I like Carrington. Carrington's one of those people in the business that I basically have 175 mutual friends with, but I myself have never talked to Carrington. Carrington, though, was so emphatic that OBJ was going to be waiting until at least training camp to be signed, and then what happened? Baltimore gave him a deal that was worth twice the amount of what executives thought he was going to get, thought he was going to get 7.5, ended up with 15, that can be upwards of 18, and he signed on the dotted line. The Titans could make that offer. The Patriots could make that offer. They don't want to make that offer. 
for a multitude of reasons we've already discussed with DeAndre Hopkins. But Albert Breer, on Afternoon Drive earlier today, spoke about DeAndre Hopkins and where the Browns currently stand. If I had to handicap it right now, I want to say New England. He's got such a good relationship with Mike Vrabel that, like, I think that that's a possibility, too. I think that part of this is going to come down to where the money is when the NFL comes back from vacation in a few weeks. And look, like, I think his hope in waiting this out is that somebody else is going to come with more money and either up the offers from New England or Tennessee or, or you know, create a more desirable landing spot. Because if the money was right, he would have gone to one of those two teams, you know? So... Like, I mean, clearly we know two things here. The money wasn't, you know, at the Odell Beckham level, and he wasn't going to go to those teams for a whole lot less. And so now it's either somebody comes with that money or there's some team that he's willing to go to for less. And a lot of that's going to come down to, all right, like, so, like, these teams, when they get back middle of July, they start to go through their preliminary personnel meetings. They talk about the way the receiver room looked in the spring. Do they look at it and say, you know, now that circumstances have changed and we have a little bit more cap room, we're going to go get them. I think that's the sort of thing that, that DeAndre Hawkins would be waiting to happen whether or not it does happen remains to be seen it's a lot there you made me bet on it i would say it's the patriots but i wouldn't rule the browns out not at all i don't know anybody that would 100 percent rule the browns out and i keep going back to the idea of what this signifies what this signifies i think is a couple different things and i think they're they're very large one it would tell me if hopkins ends up anywhere outside of cleveland and he actually plays well, it would tell me that Deshaun Watson needs to work on his recruiting skills. It would tell me that Deshaun Watson just, he just can't, he just flat out can't recruit. For some reason he doesn't want to, some reason he can't. I'm not entirely sure which one it is, but it's not what he does. Adam Thielen ended up in Carolina. OBJ had a chance for a reunion there. That one obviously didn't work out. Any of the names we brought up even beyond that, the Jerry Judys of the world, that if they would have insisted on a trade, then who knows? Everything had to be right, and it just isn't with Deshaun. I watched this documentary on HBO. It was called uh, Bama Rush. talked about this a couple weeks ago when I first watched it. It's about the process of getting into a sorority at Alabama. It was good. It wasn't great. Like, I don't recommend you watch it. I was in a fraternity. My wife was in a sorority, so we kind of connected on that bond of it, so we both had interest in it. I like that world. It's an interesting world to me. It is. But what's fun about the documentary is it shows you the lengths that the rushes go to in getting their bids, and it highlights what a one-sided street that whole affair is. Deshaun recruits like an Alabama sorority. Come to me and I'll open up my arms if you pass the test, but I don't come to you. Pick up the phone, Deshaun. Put a little work in. I don't think it's that hard. But the bigger point I want to stick on, if he doesn't end up landing him, is at what point did Andrew Barry say no? At what point did Andrew Barry say no thank you, Deshaun Watson? Because publicly, Deshaun Watson wants DeAndre Hopkins. We're all there. We all heard everything he had to say. Publicly, he wants him. So if publicly matches up what he does privately, then we're left to believe that Deshaun Watson wants DeAndre Hopkins. I need to figure out at what point Andrew Barry said no. And I need to know how that impacts Deshaun Watson as well. Now, we're never going to get to the true nitty-gritty, and we're going to get to the truth behind it. We will never find out if Deshaun Watson, truthfully behind closed doors, is like, listen, I got to publicly say what I got to publicly say, because when I had 22 civil cases against me, uh, he was the only person on Instagram saying, I got your back. And that's true. Look it up. There wasn't many players in the corner of Deshaun Watson when he had 22 cases against him, but DeAndre Hopkins was. 
He was on Instagram advocating for his friend. So he might say publicly I had to say this, and privately I don't mean a word of it. I don't think he can play. I don't think we need him. But there's a couple things at play here that I find fascinating. At the point that Andrew Barry would have told him no is a fascinating one. The other side of this is, are people getting more and more in love with the DeAndre Hopkins discussion and the conversation around him based off of the fact that now we've gone a couple weeks without seeing Elijah Moore catch his day in, day out, without seeing all the different highlight plays from the mini camps and from the, the mandatory and all the, the different little training camps. It's not training camps. I always get the verbiage wrong. It's mini camps um, that we watched two, three weeks ago. Is that maybe what this is? You see how it can end up with a, a million different areas and a million different places. I think there's a lot of us that wanted to convince ourselves a couple weeks ago that you can get away with this wide receiver core and you can get away with this roster and you can get away with this with Deshaun Watson and you'd be all right, you'd be okay because he looked so good. You know, the practice field All-American, right? The shorts and a T-shirt. That looked fantastic. And I know we you can never take anybody on what happens when they're in shorts and a T-shirt because for years we've watched so many quarterbacks be bad on the field but be great when they were practicing. And it felt like every Browns beat reporter that we had on had to remind us of that while they also picked up their jaw from off the ground based off of what they saw. I mean, Deshaun Watson looked like something different. And this is coming after a training camp last year where I watched Deshaun Watson And next to Jacoby Brissett, I thought he made Jacoby Brissett look like a high school quarterback. Jacoby Brissett had this offense at week eight, a top five offense in the NFL. And I thought he looked like a high school quarterback throwing next to Deshaun Watson. You fast forward to what you watched three weeks ago, and all anyone that was there will tell you is that he looked even better. Looked even better. So I wonder if there's a part of us three, four weeks ago, we started to convince ourselves that we didn't actually need DeAndre Hopkins because ultimately he'd be all right because Deshaun Watson did look that good. I'm in the business of getting better, though. I'm in the business of actively trying to take this team to the heights that we want to see this team taken to. And if you're Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, it's the same comment I'll make the entire offseason. you got to do everything you possibly can to put the best team out there. Now, right now, I think this team is about an 11-win team. And it's funny because I went to this, uh, I went, I told you guys my brother-in-law's bachelor party. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. I've talked about it a, a little bit today as well. And, and I'm out there with, you know, eight other guys that are from Northeast Ohio that have all left Northeast Ohio because my brother-in-law's from here, went to Solon. Now he lives in New York. It's a common thing. You guys know it. It's okay. And they're all doing great and they're all, you know, making their own careers elsewhere and it is what it is. But what's funny to me is how, the conversations that I kept talking about with them, I was saying 11 wins, and they looked like I hurt their puppy. They looked like I went, well, 11 wins? Like I insulted them to their face for some reason. 11 wins? That's all you got? I got 12. I got 13. And it became like a one-upmanship job of being like 12, 13. I had no idea, zero idea, a group of nine dudes all aged between 33 and 35 that were from Northeast Ohio that had moved out all believed this strongly in this Browns team. Had zero idea. I thought I had Homer glasses on with 11 wins. But it just showcasing to you guys how Deshaun Watson in the previous three, four weeks has raised the hype. And he's raised, I believe in my estimation, back up what some of the expectations should have been with this Browns team all along when you have a quarterback looking like that. 
That doesn't mean you don't strike when you get a DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't mean you don't strike when you have an opportunity to land somebody like that. All right, guys, you can never have too much news at your fingertips about the big topics surrounding the Browns and the rest of the league. Make sure you download two new episodes every week of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland with Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin at 923thefan.com and the Odyssey app to stay up to date. Brought to you locally by Smiley One Heating and Cooling and Bryant doing whatever it takes. Yeah, James, I was drinking scotch like it was tap water out there. We were having ourselves a nice time. And, uh, you know, again, it just it became this one-upmanship of Browns scheduling. The amount of so they 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 played this game called Ken Jam. Have you ever played this game? Never heard of it. You've never heard of it? Okay, I might be saying the game wrong, so I need a quick Google search to make sure I'm saying the name right. Yep, Can Jam, Can Jam. You've never heard of this? I'd never heard of it before this last weekend either. I think I may have played it. I just maybe don't know the name, but dumbest game I've ever played in my life. Okay? Really? You got okay. these two like garbage cans. You have a frisbee. I hate frisbee games. Frisbee games aren't great for me. I'm not a frisbee thrower. Not for me, right? Although there was there was one one beer frisbee game I played like a decade ago that I thought was awesome. It was like a, they put the beer on a pole and you got to throw the frisbee to knock the beer off the pole. That was a fun game. That one was great. This one had two garbage cans, had a slit in there. So if you if the cool thing about the game, the only cool thing about the game is that if you threw the frisbee into the slit, that was automatic game over. Which I think is a wild person move for a game. Like imagine watching a baseball game and it's like if you hit a home run into section three twenty five, the game just ceased to exist. Everyone go home and it's done. Think about it, it's it's wild. Wild. But uh yeah, Ken Jam was this game that they they wanted to play all weekend long. It was the dumbest game ever. We played a lot of beer die. A lot of beer die. And that was really about it though. I'm seeing a theme that you like games with beer. I do I'm a big drinking and doing something guy. I, I like to be doing stuff when I drink. Now, yes, I'll put on a movie and get hammered, sure. Who won't? But I like, if you got a game, you got an activity, that to me is the tops. That's what I like. That's why I like bags or cornhole, whichever one you want to call it. I love doing stuff like that when you're drinking and hanging out and having a good time. That to me, that's that's about as good as it gets. I go foosball guy. No, never got into foosball. Foosball to me isn't a drinking game, though. Foosball is just foosball. Foosball is what they have in the apartment and, uh, on Friends and the TV show, right? Like, that's just, that's what that is to me. <laughs> I do like air hockey, though. In that same vein, I, I'll mess with some air hockey. You don't want no smoke. No, I don't. No, I don't. I never claimed to be good at air hockey, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll mess with some air hockey. Never did I. Yeah. Oh, I mean, hockey. Am I right? That's the second, oh. that's the second shot at hockey. Hockey didn't deserve that tonight. Hockey, this is hockey's night. Connor Bedard going number one. They didn't deserve this. I'm going to treat this like the frozen envelope though. I'm going to, this is going to be my reason to get out of the sport forever. You rigged it. Fan focus coming your way next right here on the fan.